Hey guys, it's your girl, Nick. Welcome to another edition of the Bo Knows Business. Listen, I am the biggest fan of every single one of our Bo sisters. You know by now that Bo is a collective of 50 businesses, 52 Black women businesses who have all grown and scaled their businesses to over $1 million each. They are coming on here, sharing their stories, telling about their childhood, their, their influences, what really helped them on their road to entrepreneurship. And they're also going to basically keep it real with you, tell you what the struggles and the solutions that they have found that really helped them. And they want to help you as well. So today I get one of my best friends, my sister, like my job is so daggone easy. I mean, I just get to sit and talk with my super friends, my super girlfriends. Today, we have Simone Shepard of Simone Inc. She is a financial empowerment expert. How about that? All right. So will you guys join me in welcoming my girl, Miss Simone? Hi, everyone. How are you? Nick, it's so great to be on this show. I'm so happy to be influencing all the amazing women out there listening. Girl, you are amazing. You know, we are, you know, I love you. I know that it, it feels like I've known you for such a long time. It's been yeah. a couple of years, but, you know, you have had a tremendous influence on my life. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that later. Not just my financial life, my business life, but my, my, my spirit, my soul. And I, I'm so grateful to know you, girl. You too. Thanks, Nick. All right. So we're going to get started just like we do every week. Um, we're turning this into the Michelle Obama becoming story because <laughs> we got a lot of girls out there who, you know, they are brilliant and bold, but they don't know um, that we didn't just wake up like this. Like we had several steps in our journey on becoming entrepreneurs, women that are influential. And we're going to get started with your girl. Now, I happen to know it, but I want you to share. All right. Like Miss Simone, tell me where you were born, girl. Like, tell me, tell me the corners where, where, in, in, you know, go back to, to the beginning. Where little Simone, where did you play, girl? Tell me, tell me how you were rolling back in the day. Oh, wow. Little, little girl, Simone went to Catholic school, actually, mm -hmm. as a elementary school, St. Joseph the Carpenter in Roselle, New Jersey. So we were just private school kids, right? Both my parents grew up in the inner city mm -hmm. and we, we're able to just come out of that situation. My dad being an accountant, 40 years, my mom an entrepreneur, it was being pushed to do great things. They never limited my thinking as a child. And I think that has really shaped me as an adult because I just never feel like there's any limits. There's, you know, sky's the limit as they always say. Uh, so I did live half my life in Roselle, New Jersey. I went to private okay. school and in public school, I was one of the first African-Americans in my elementary school. Uh, you know, that's so crazy when you say that story. You, if I may say, fabulous and 40, you don't think we, I don't think of integration as being, you know, beyond, I'm 50, beyond my generation. So, you know, that's a, that's always an interesting, that strikes me, um, 
that you were in, you know, you were one of the trailblazers in your community, huh? It was not very diverse, but I honestly feel like that helped me in this industry that I am in today. Okay. Right? Because there are not a lot of minorities. And I, I feel like whatever room we go in, we have to feel comfortable in. Right. How and did I, you feel in that first room though? Like, you know, we know the iconic picture of Ruby Bridges, you know, going in. <laughs> Yours probably wasn't that dramatic. Although one of our both sisters, her father was one of the sheriffs that would escort Ruby Bridges, girl. Oh my like, goodness. Wow. It's so incredible. So I, I definitely have that in my brain. But like, how do you remember being a child? Um, did you experience um, you know, was it was it a hurtful experience? Were they welcoming? What what did that do for you as as a young girl? I think it it helped me to brace my uniqueness. You know, I was a tall, skinny kid with a lot of blonde hair, blue eyed girls, and I I really honestly, as a kid felt that I was the most beautiful person in the room. You know, I yes. always was encouraged by, you know, my mom, my dad, that you're just so beautiful. You know, I, I attribute my work ethic def definitely to my mother because I probably was the only fifth grader coming to school with a briefcase and a suit. What <laughs> up, girl? Let's go. I love it. Oh, you never told me that, girl. You I was definitely a diva. I look back at some of my school pictures like, why am I wearing a business suit in fifth grade? Now, did you pick it? Sorry, I'm I'm, I'm okay. already breaking my rules of talking over you, but girl, so did you say I want a suit or did mom say, hey, girl? Mom, she, yes. she was an Ivy League. Uh, she went to Smith College. And she always prepared us for excellence. You know, that's one thing I will always say. She prepared us to just go out there and be great. You know, our parents yeah, made great. a difference. And we, when you show up, you show out, right? And I so, know, that's right. I, I, you got to give me a picture, girl. I need oh, a daggone picture of I you. Send it. I felt, you know, I... Like I said, always had that, you know, mentality of just, yeah. you know, there's great things out here. You know, my dad, I mentioned being in financial services and counting for 40 years. You know, I at 13 had my own bank account and it was forecasting and budgeting. So I think that that prepared me yes. uh, for the industry that I was in. And I personally, it wasn't a, a racist town. I didn't feel, you know, that I, I had a, a childhood that was abusive with uh, other children bullying. It was a, a childhood where I felt like I was the best person in the room. I was unique. And yeah. I felt like whatever room, again, that I'm going into, I belong there. Yeah. And, you know, I never felt uncomfortable. Um, and it helps me now in the future because I'm in the, a lot of rooms where I'm the only one and I feel no different, you know, I know, I, got value. I know my value. I know I belong here. And that's what that taught me at that age. I have value. And I know I belong here. And, and that's where I feel today. <laughs> oh, well, let me just tell you. So this is our sixth interview in the series, right? Oh, right. And I keep I keep using the analogy because there are a lot of similarities. Um, uh, you guys are each giving me pearls oh, and each of those pearls are, there are a lot of the, 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 the same strands are running true. 
and I'm to be sure this does not mean that every story is like this, but I will say it is consistent that the parents of each of your both sisters today were amazing influences on their daughters. Yes. Number two, they all commanded, demanded excellence. Those parents um, demanded excellence and you and the confidence that they loved you so openly and so consistently that you saw your value and it was rooted very, very early. Yes, that's exactly what it was. And I am grateful to my mom and dad because, you know, they never limited my thinking. It's like, I can do it, you know? And they're like, you can do whatever you want to do. There was no boundaries, right? You know, no so I, I, I value that. And it has definitely uh, shaped me today that, you know, if I dream it, I can do it, you know? Girl, well, listen, <laughs> I I get that sense you have emblazed in my consciousness you with a daggone briefcase as a child like, that's great that's for life. I'll the pictures. can't wait to see that all right so that's your first chapter yeah and I, and I get it and and i keep telling our, my both sisters you all are not just helping people with their business you're really helping them as people you're helping them be better parents so that yeah. when we you know I, I one of our sisters said that her parents were like you get money for A's. You can do whatever you want, but you must get A's. The other ones, the same thing. This just the striving for excellence. So we we know what your childhood was like. Now, tell me what your first career step was and what that transition into entrepreneurship. What was the thing that made you step out on your own? Honestly, it was time. I, I, I really don't think I'm employable. Um, right out of college, I got into the network engineering space and I recognized how much time I had to spend behind a computer. I had no social interaction and it was lonely, you know, days and hours, you know, working. And, and granted, it was great pay. But it was a turning point for me when I could not take a long lunch break. You know, I had to get back by a certain time. And I, I recognized that I just wanted to own my time. Yes. You know, it, it, yes. what is the value of that? Yes. What are you selling your time for? You know, I would help bring on large clients as my career progressed. And I realized, too, that I could do the same thing that I'm doing for others for my own business. So yes. I... I immediately, you know, took a risk and just started my own company because I knew the same effort that I put in for anyone else's business that I could do it for my own. And it was boring, the network engineering space. I just, you know, it was lonely just all day and night and just emails and just hours and hours that you really do sell your time. Yes. And, and that was that was what drove me to say, there has to be a quality of life behind yeah. a career. And if you're not passionate about what it is that you're doing and you're doing it, you know, just because, you know, it's a good income and yeah. you really are not happy, there's no better time to take a leap than now. Right. Because we cannot get back our time. Right. Now we go forward. So that's what I felt. I felt at the age of 25 that I couldn't see myself doing this for the next 10, 20 years. It was not 
something that I was happy with doing. So tell me, I 1000% understand it. Um, it takes me back to when I first met you, we really were kindred spirits. We met at a, a conference, a WeBank conference, and we just had this deeply uh, a soul connection um, experience. But you shared with me again that um, how you have always had a great appreciation for your time, for your time the quantify that how that is currency uh, for you, you know, now I, um, I, I love that it is, it is a pearl. It is something that I believe entrepreneurs sets entrepreneurs apart because some people value security more than, than time and diversity that you get in the time, right? So I, I, I really think that you, you've given us a pearl there. Now tell me insurance, insurance. That was your first um, very, very successful business with your husband. How does one start down that path and not only get in that path, but create a multi-million dollar uh, business out of uh, um, an industry, as you alluded to, that is is very, you know, very competitive, very, you know, um, not uh, black women saturated. I won't say it's friendly or not, but it is not saturated with African-American women. How did you how did you get in and tell us, because I know the story <laughs> of how you saw it before it actually existed? Right. Well, you have to be able to take information in. Right. And I didn't jump in the industry thinking I knew everything, but I went out and looked for mentors and I seek, I went to seek people who were successful in this space. And I took time to just absorb and be a sponge. And for me, it's being able to operate as though you are already successful, right? So every day I knew you had to obviously bring on clients when you first start a business, but I knew it was experience that you needed. So going after the, one of the largest contracts that I got, I had a foundation to start, right? Mm -hmm. Because I had the knowledge, I had the tools, but the experience was also a challenge <laughs> when you're starting out, which a lot of business owners I know yeah. Um, have that same issue. But if you go in with confidence, like you belong. And I remember going up against the largest contract that I had for my business. You know, I was competing with the five or six of the top companies out there. What I did was very different than most people was thinking outside the box. Right. I actually brought flew my underwriter with me to the meeting to actually discuss the proposal. Right. It was something that they never saw happen. You know, underwriters are usually never leaving. The right, office. girl, they're in a little cave in the back of the banks. <laughs> Whoever, you know, when you go to buy a house is bringing the mortgage uh, a loan officer or That's the underwriter high, with you. So I had a great rapport and I knew I wanted to set myself apart. And that was key to winning one of the largest clients that we have um, was just thinking outside the box and positioning your resources. Right. Because when yes. you think about it, you got to learn to set yourself apart from everyone else. Yes. What can you do differently? That's across all industries. That's true. What can you do to set yourself apart? And I can honestly tell you, 
I always do that with most of my business. I do not operate as just, you know, just your average person. I'm going to do something unique and you'll always remember me. I will. Well, that no truer words are spoken. So I want to get more into the substance of Simone Inc. I will. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm being very careful. I, I know all of the landmines with finances. So I want to, I want to pull back and you call yourself a financial empowerment specialist. I really think for, especially for women, especially for people of color that don't really have generational wealth just passing down. Finances, money, credit, these are all topics that we've learned to be quiet about, that we, we don't talk about money. We don't talk about the importance of credit or really know why. We don't talk about insurance because we don't want to die. There's so many things in terms of wealth and wealth management that we, I think we disempower ourselves, number one, because we don't know. And number two, because we're too ashamed to say we don't know and to get help. And, and that's what you're setting out to do. What makes you different? And, and, and how can you help people feel more empowered to educate themselves about, about money? Yes. So what makes me different is I understand people, right? And you really have to get into the psychology of a person's you know, what they learned about money. What did they hear as a child? What are they doing now? Why are they doing it now? Because there's a correlation between money and some people use it too as um, a comfort, right? Spending money on things when they're stressed out, you know, like how do you use money? So I, I typically want to get the best advice I got was to understand your why first. Okay. Why do we want to create wealth? Why do you want to save? Why, wh what is your bucket? Is it, what does wealth buy you? What does wealth buy you? Financial freedom. Mm -hmm. If you are not financially free, are you free, right? right. You're still going to be a slave to whatever it is that you're doing. Wealth and financial freedom buys you what? Time. And if you remember, I value my time, right? Yes. And yes. that's what the goal is. If you first step take steps back and understand why you're doing the things you're doing mm -hmm. to create time right you're in the accumulation phase most people with their working growing the business but once you're done with all that you want to be able to enjoy your time right mm -hmm. discover opportunities travel with your family and loved ones because that's really all that matters right well it it is but i'm gonna i'm gonna pause you there because i know again, your why. What if your why is, I want to feel better about myself. So I want to wear things that make me feel good. I want to spend it on things that make me feel good. I want to purchase cars because other people will think that I have status. That is a real um, that, that's a real driver. How do you, and this is really important, how do you reshape that narrative, Simone, about your value being on the outside? Because the things you're talking about, I think it it is true that yes, having money in the bank, that gives you security, but 
that first level people feel like I want I want people to know what I have. You know, I want them to it's not enough to have the wealth. I want people to know I have it. How do you help reshape that narrative? It is delayed gratification, you know, like that is key. Can you wait a year or two? You know, it's seeing the end game, right? Mm -hmm. If you start a race and, you know, you're just, it, it seems very stressful in the beginning because you got to work, work hard. But yes. when you get to that finish line, it is amazing. So I start at the finish line with most of my clients. Ah, and then we work on where they're going to go. Correct. We, if you know the end game, it helps you with the beginning, right? You know, it's, we do it helps you stay focused, right? It helps you. Yeah, all you got to know is. It, give it, give it five years, give it 10 years, give it 15 years. You can have all the cars or houses. You know, I have clients that, you know what, Simone, I have a goal of this X by this time. Let's work backwards. If you set the goal first, you know, I know what great goals are. So I usually, you know, help my clients set them. But if you personally say, I know at the end of the rainbow is a pot of gold and you actually see that pot of gold, right? Yeah, that's the goal. Your money has to start making you more money. Yes. Right? Yes. If you spent a thousand dollars on a a car a month, but that thousand dollars went into some a bucket to grow. Now you use the growth to purchase that item. Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yes. So you you got to start looking at. I might have to delay that one month, but then whatever my gain was, I can come back to it. If that makes sense. That to it totally makes sense. It is a, it's a different narrative. That's what I'm, I'm saying. And I think that that's, you're showing people how to be empowered over, over time. And, and, and you're also showing them how to stay focused on, on that goal. I want to ask you going down that line. So, you know, I'm a client say I'm, I'm, trying to be a client of Simone Inc. I'm trying to really talk about that next generation. Like I got enough, you know, I'm making ends meet. I have a little leftover. What are the three or four pillars that you believe you need in order to transfer wealth to the next generation. Generational wealth is very important. What do you, what what types of things should we be doing? You know, one, two, three, four. If you you know, what are the top top decisions, top investments that we should not? Oh, let me strike that. Not investments, but just generally, what should I educate myself about? How about that? How what what three things should I learn more about? Well, it's definitely going to be where you are now and what, you know, I always operate as if something happened tomorrow, right? What does that look like, right? If you're planning for whether it's wealth transfer, if you have a family, create a, a spreadsheet and put all your things on paper. That's first what I do with my clients. We have to write it out to know where things are. And then you find out they discover things that they never knew they had. And we, we try to just, we call it fact finding. Let's figure out all the facts. Right. And then understanding the laws, you know, we don't even know about probate and, you know, different things that are, are mm -hmm. factors, estate taxes, mm -hmm. know your numbers. You know, it's important mm -hmm. to know where you fall this, at a certain level. If you don't have the right uh, trust in place and different things, you end up leaving a lot to the state. Right. So you mm -hmm. really want to make sure that you are 
knowing where your assets are, writing out everything, knowing your numbers, knowing your goals. It's just like you set your business goals, Nick. When you write out your business goals, you have to have the same type of energy for your financial goals. Yes. And when, when I work with my clients, I it's kind of like therapy sessions a lot of times because people have unpacked a lot of things from their past that you got to understand. You know, I was with a client and she said, you know, I had a, my, my mom and dad always told me not to do this. It, you know, this, yeah. I, you know, they were always spenders. I like, like you said, fancy things. And I just, you know, spenders. Some people just are spenders. So yeah. it's really shifting your mindset and your narrative of, Hey, you can be a saver. And when my clients start seeing the growth and different things, it is actually exciting to watch. Like it's another obsession, right? Like they transfer it from that instant gratification to watching my right. mother, my cute little mom, you know, she worked for 40 years. She had her 401k and she, she, I said, you beat the game of life. Like she put her kids through school. She's able to retire. She was able to help my grandmother who, who recently passed in her older age and still has wealth, you know, because of watching her 401k grow, 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 you know? So there are, I, I love what you're doing. I am already five minutes over because that's what we do. I, when we start talking, it's just, it's just amazing. So before I let you go, I want to talk about Bo. Yeah. All right. So tell me, I've, I've asked each of our both sisters, you know, why did you say yes to this crazy idea? And, and what are you getting from it? What makes Bo and the women of Bo so special? Wow. I love the sisterhood that you created. And it's just the authenticity, the, you know, it's a genuine connection that, you know, a lot of groups who genuinely are intentional about working together, sharing businesses. I mean, throughout the day, there's just hundreds of connections happening and business opportunities presenting themselves. And it's intentional. That's really what I love about Bo. We are intentional about supporting each other in our business, in our business growth. And that is the main reason why I love being a part of Bo is just watching this sisterhood blossom into amazing women that we can, you know, bounce ideas off of, grow our businesses together. I love fellowshipping and traveling and doing things with each other. Because again, he's like, you guys, are, we're all like the sisters I, I always wish I had, even though I have a sister. Hi, Brittany. But um, that business sister, you know, it's, it's great to talk about, you know, love and relationships and community service. But when we make it a priority to make money together, wow. I mean, that is this, the, it is a whole different thing, you know, and I, and I'm just so grateful that you said yes, that you are helping on our leadership team, getting the word out and just being uh, just an all around great, uh, authentic person trying to help not only our sisters, but our community um, transfer wealth and, and, and get well, get that money, girl. Yes. See money. <laughs> I love it. I love you, girl. Um, how can our friends that are watching, they, I know they're going to want to know more. How can we stay in touch? Well, you can visit me at www.simoneinc.com. Awesome, girl. It's been a pleasure always. Thank you so much for joining us today.
And that concludes this edition of The Boat Knows Business. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. We're really talking about some key issues with wealth, empowerment, really shaping, reshaping the narrative about money and wealth. Join us again next week. Follow Simone and um, get your money on, girls and guys. Take care. <laughs>